on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Google tests a new buying guide on mobile that farms out similar-ish content from the web. We tell you about some Google Ads campaign features that might make you prefer wince, Max. Plus, Peter Piper picks a pack of pickled privacy-safe attribution for advertisers. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock, just stay tuned Digital marketing news, but let's get specific Digital ads, SEO and analytics Social media and more Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform New shows every Friday We give you the news with sass and puns And definitely high takes Thank you for tuning in You know what time it is it's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernhel. AKA Shop. I'm Jess Bud. And I'm Greg Finn. And it's officially marketing o'clock. Here on February 11th, 2022. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Greg, do you have news for us? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so, my kids, first graders, they had a book fair and we just give them money and like see what happens kind of thing. Love that. You know? And so we gave them money to go to the book fair and they bought a bunch of stupid stuff like erasers and stuff. Like who even writes? Um, so the boy <laughs> bought something. I think it's called like like Subway Surfers. It's a book about a game, which I don't believe he has. Oh, it's, a, it's on a phone though. Yeah. So hmm. he has a book about a game. That's a good like game. Like a cheat code game that I've never seen before <laughs> and I don't think he has access to but my daughter got a good deal in the closeout section it's about how to survive animal attacks that's what <laughs> that's what they pick and so I'm like what well at least there's like some usability of this right if we go camping maybe there. there's a bear and you're like oh what do you do with the black bear versus the brown bear so I'm like oh hey what did you learn did you learn anything good and she goes looks at me right in the face and it's like yes if you get attacked by a tiger shark, never punch it in the nose, punch it in the gills. <laughs> that <laughs> like, is good advice. Thanks. Like hoping to get a little more <laughs> advice out of here. I'm like, well, do you have like any other animal attacks? And she goes, if you're getting attacked by a great white shark, find a corner so you can face it head on. What am I going to do? I'm going to go find a ship? Like, oh, is that a, a great white? There? Yeah. Mm, oh, tiger shark. You guys are also just like not beach people. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Like, I'm doing some damage to my kids. So. This book, why was it at an elementary school book fair? I don't know, Seems but it came with stickers that look like Band-Aids, and it says, like, tiger bite on it. <laughs> it puts them all over things. <laughs> Somebody's got to reach out to Scholastic and let us know. Okay, well, I was just going to say, my husband is in a completely different industry. He's not in marketing. I'm sure he'll complain about how I explain his job, so I'm just not going to bother. He makes hats. <laughs> He's always after a stressful day. He, like, gauges it by the number of emails he sends, and I just, like, can't relate to that because we're in Slack. Basecamp, I rarely ever send an email. So he'll be like, oh, sent 83 emails today. I'm like, great, congratulations. (laughs) So anyway, I looked at my outbox recently, and I keep getting these Quora emails for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter, like, deep dives. (laughs) And I keep forwarding them to his work email just to bother him. (laughs) So I have client email, client email. To Eddie, why did Voldemort just throw his horcruxes away? <laughs> to Eddie, would Avada Kedavra work on Hagrid? <laughs> to Eddie, is Voldemort the strongest wizard? <laughs> client email, client email. To Eddie, why didn't Voldemort spare Lily when Snape betrayed him? <laughs> Does he respond to me? No, he's so <laughs> mad. So he's like, I sent 87 emails today. I'm like, I sent four and they were all to you about Harry Potter. <laughs> It's pretty frequent you're receiving those also. <laughs> yeah. And, and, to be, if, and to be fair, we have Basecamp, yeah. Slack with I our hate email. clients, and we have ClickUp. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like we're not communicating. <laughs> Just not in that form. <laughs> I, I don't know. Keep the core emails coming. I love them. I don't want them in spam. Okay, bit of housekeeping. If you love emails, if you love data, there is a new episode of Agency Scoop wherever you're listening to this. 
with our CGO, Jill Fetcher, and she's sitting down with our own Sarah Burke, who is in charge of our newest division here at Cypress North, the data and analytics team. And they're talking, they're getting down with data. It's a really great episode talking about Sarah's journey and how we got here. So check it out wherever you're listening to this. Keep it locked. <laughs> What's happening, Greg? All right. First up in the news this week from Search Engine Land and George Wynn, Google is testing buying guides in the mobile search results. So this is a feature that pre presents users with various drop-down menu options to learn more about the product they're searching for. The company has confirmed to Search Engine Land. Brian Frieselben had found this in the wild, searching on his phone for best baseball bats. Something I searched recently for my my kiddos, you know, mm. for whatever next creature comes at him next. <laughs> uh, no, really for the baseball. <laughs> um, and there's an example, and you can see it, it's right there, clear as day. Buying guide baseball bats in the price range nineteen dollars to three hundred ninety dollars. Which, wow, what a range there! Mm -hmm. And then it shows a few different features, and you can get to twelve more considerations in this Google buying guide. Uh, the items in the buying guide when you click on through the accordion menus you will get to a website which is cool i like that feature of it but this obviously will take precedence over actual buying guides that are out there so you may be thinking this is great i would like to share a snippet from an article from danny sullivan oh no all right and this says it's about a content farm, and many folks remember con uh, the farmer slash panda update. But Danny says, by the way, my own definition of a content farm that I've been working on is like this. Looks to see what are popular searches in a particular category, news, help topics, generates content specifically tailored to those searches, usually spends very little time or money, even perhaps as little as possible to generate that content. The problem I think content farms are currently facing is with that last part, not putting the effort to generate outstanding content. Now that article is from Search Engine Land, February 2011, 10 heckin' years ago, where Danny Sullivan, now the liaison, the search liaison for Google, has written what a content farm is. And when I look at this, I see a big old heckin' farm <laughs> what was the point of saying yeah. hacking? <laughs> but the examples are, right, weight. And you might say, this, this is good. I want to know what, what weight of a baseball bat you want to buy. Underneath weight, it says, how much does Coley's bat weight? Not even good grammar. Yeah. Coley plays cricket, a very <gasps> famous cricket player. Oh. So that's one. Another says, end. And what is the end of a bat called? How is that a buying guide? It's a barrel of a bat. And how is it a buying guide? You're giving a definition for what the end of a bat is. Humble brag. <laughs> also, just end. No, but, it's called the barrel. All right, so yeah. let's keep going. Body. So this is about the body of a bat in the Google buying guide. What is bat in body huh? is underneath that. What does that mean? Does I that have mean? no clue. I, like I couldn't animal? get this to replicate. I was yeah. trying to find it. I was furious when I saw this, and I couldn't figure it out. And then drops. You have a bat drop. It's about the size based on the thickness of the barrel. Is it, is the drop. Did but you get a book fair book about bats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I had to look it up before. Uh, but this says drops. What is bat drop used for? And it's like, no, you should talk about bat drops and the size and what you buy. A buying guide talks about what you need to buy not basic explanations of certain mm -hmm. things that may or may not be right and may or may not be about baseball or baseball bats. So I look at this and I hate it so much. I would much rather see somebody making videos, creating their own content, grading on a scale across all these different elements, making original content and content, mind you, that people aren't spending little time or money on. They're spending a lot of time and a lot of money, and that's why you see something like Wirecutter like, actually rise up and do well, is because they're paying people to make and review and create great content. And when I look at this, and I'm looking about baseball bats, and literally the fifth thing is about how much a cricket player's cricket bat weighs, 
this is a content farm from my purview. I agree. Yeah. Based on that definition. Yes. All right. And there was another tweet that I thought was funny in the thread here from Kimberly Foresight. And she was trying to find it on desktop and couldn't find it. But it said popular baseball bats. And there's Easton, Louisville, Slugger, DiMarini, Marucci, Rawlings, Mizuno, Xbox. <laughs> it's like, I don't want my content from this. You're Google. You're supposed to be sur- like surfacing these things. There are so many good buying guides about baseball bats. There are so many videos on your own YouTube that you can pull up. We don't need this. And we don't need this. This version of it is drunk. It needs to go home. <laughs> no, thank you. I hate it. What do you got? Shep. Okay. Well, mine's not great either. <laughs> We have been really singing Performance Max praises over the past couple of weeks. We've even encouraged people to launch Performance Max campaigns with us and talk about performance over the next month or so. Last week, we had mostly good news about data finally flowing into Data Studio and API reporting. Today, there's some more troubling stuff happening. So just get ready, people. So first from Kirk Williams at PPC Kirk. He says, wanted to bring this to your attention, Ginny's at Ads Liaison. I think the inability to exclude unsubscribers from Gmail placements in SSC and PMAX is a huge privacy and permissions issue. We're having strong complaints from customers angry at our clients for getting served Gmail ads through smart shopping and PMAX. They think the ads are emails and they don't understand why they keep receiving them since they have unsubscribed from client emails. I think this is one of the issues with multi-channel campaign types that gets missed into engineering. Channels have such huge different uses and problems and audiences. Any campaign serving to Gmail should prob have an unsubscribe option somehow. That So this is something that I think is a big concern and I haven't really thought about before. Gmail ads in general, I think even when they had like the full campaign type, I would talk about it to clients. Nobody knew that was a thing. Like even if they were on Gmail, they just thought they were promotional emails and mm-hmm. they didn't know that it was a Google ad. And I think this is a problem that they need to find a solution for because you're going to make people really unhappy if they think they're yeah. unsubscribed and yeah. they're not. It's going to have the opposite effect. It, yeah. It's a huge it's a huge problem. And mm-hmm. we talked about it before too. Also, now at least we can see where we're getting impressions uh, on sites, but you still cannot negate sites. And you have to rely on all these different filters. There should be absolutely the ability to negate placements and the ability to negate emails that have opted out of your communication. And if you're going to show an email. Yeah. Yeah. They should just let you upload a list of your unsubscribers, right? Why not? Figure it out. Well, I decided that um, the P and PMAX stands for problematic this week because we have more news here. From Alex Vanderpool at Alex Vanderpool on Twitter. Note, if you do not add video assets yourself in the Performance Max campaigns, Google will do this for you. The videos are 19 seconds long and are very generic. You cannot delete these automatically created videos. And then he said... Very generic. Other people are roasting these videos. Gil Gildner at Gil Gildner says, it was terrible. Like 2005 Windows Movie Maker terrible. I was embarrassed. (laughs) Then Fraser Andrews at PPC underscore Fraser said, I have this one with a client and the stock music and weird Windows Movie Maker vibes have (laughs) given me shutters already. I kind of want to see them in action. I know. I'd love to see them. Yeah. It's like yesterday um, upon recording this on Tuesday. The Oscar nominees were released, and then they also do the Razzies. Like, we should do that for ads, too. The worst <laughs> ads we see. <laughs> I want to see these. So then David Herman replied, and he said it will also grab photos and blog posts featuring influencers and run keywords about them. It got one client in hot water without us having any knowledge. So people are going back and forth. Everybody hates these. Jenny finally popped in and replied, said, Performance Max creates videos from the text and images you upload to the campaign. If you want more customization, we do recommend uploading your own videos, but we know that that's not always possible. And auto generation offers an easy way to access additional YouTube inventory. Note, currently, auto generated videos will stop serving if you upload your own video assets to Performance Max campaigns. So that's the most important thing here. Mm If you are with us trying Performance Max this month, please upload your own videos so you're not a part of this terrible experiment. If you don't have one, just get Windows Movie Maker and put one together. It'll be better. Sounds like it's the same thing. (laughs) Actually, stick around to Jess's segment. I've got a galaxy brain idea coming up in social. 
Okay. I'm ready. I love galaxy brain. I know what that means. What's your news, Jess? <laughs> All right. From that fiery fox, Mozilla, a movement towards better <laughs> insights for advertisers while respecting user privacy. We should pause also for a second and respect the alliteration in this article name, Privacy Preserving Attribution for Advertising. They got alliteration in there twice. Wow. So I'm in. <clears throat> so far, this is just a proposal, but here's what they have to say about it. This is a quote. For the last few months, we've been working with a team from Meta, Meta, formerly Facebook, on a new proposal that aims to enable conversion measurement or attribution for advertising called Interoperable Private Attribution or IPA. Not only does that sound delicious, but it's an acronym I can get behind because interoperable is a really hard word to say. Yeah. Are you picking and your spell. Are you picking your computer up? Yeah, she is. Nope. Nope. Put it down. <laughs> she was. Even Greg, when you were reading your story, she was looking at the screenshots and like leaning in. You're blind, lady. We need a new prescription. Can you zoom in with your fingers? Yeah, like you can yeah, on the phone. I can zoom in. <laughs> I see a new prescription in your future. <laughs> It's hard with where the my head has to be weird for the mic to read. I'm just moving it for visibility. It's not a vision thing. <laughs> you guys are so mean. It's fine. I can take it. Also, you don't like IPAs for the record. I love IPAs. New England IPAs ruined the IPA scene for everyone for years. Folks are coming around to that, and I can give a TED Talk on it at some point if anyone's interested. Seems like now's not the time. Okay. We have unpopular opinions coming up. Just hold on to it. I absolutely should use that. I bet I'll forget. All right. The uh, article itself, it's kind of fluffy. It's a high-level overview oh, of IPA. They should call this a never-ending interoperable private attribution. Oh, and any IPA. You uh, might like that one. That was really good. I hope it's a, we can't wait for the inoperable West Coast IPA is what I was trying to do. <laughs> okay. Read the article if you want. It doesn't matter. What you should read, because it's fluffy, is the Google Doc that they link to. It has the full details of the proposal. I barely scratched the surface reading it, but I think that they're thinking right with this. They have three overall goals with the IPA project. Privacy, utility, and competition. Oh, the puck. The, what? PC. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm an not, acronym. Yeah, and they're three separate things. Privacy, they want to protect privacy. They have a lot of confidence in their ability to do so. I think that's great. We're all marketers. So the other two goals are the ones I think that mean the most to us. From a utility standpoint, that's the U.S. The goal is to support all the major aggregate conversion measure, measurement use cases. That's view through, click through, return on ad spend, conversion lift, cross publisher attribution, including in cases where ad impressions and ad conversions happen in different browsers or devices. That sounds great. On the competition side, they're aiming to, this is a quote, ensure all the utility use cases listed above would function for all digital advertising players. Furthermore, we wanted to avoid designs that would create barriers to entry for new players. End quote. I think that's great. Made is involved. I'm maybe a little skeptical. They can prove me wrong. This is still just a proposal. It's a work in progress. They noted that in their release. But if you can actually see that work and help it progress. The Google Doc is awesome. You can read everything that they wrote out. You can totally nerd out in there. But you can also comment. And um, suggestion mode is on. So you can't edit it directly. But you can give your input. I love that. They really want the community to participate. How many comments are in there? There's quite a few. And nobody, unless they're <laughs> squashing things early, nobody's in there abusing it. There's like real conversations happening. It's okay. actually really cool. I love to see it. That sounds dangerous. It does, but they're managing it well. So more to come if this becomes a thing, but I just like that they're thinking about advertisers without yeah. sacrificing users. Usually it's one or the other. That fiery fox is that it again. <laughs> FF. <laughs> but that's a sneaky genius thing, right? Everybody hates flock, F-L-O-C. So you know what? You know what's going to be really hard to hate if you look it up? Topics. You know? Yeah. And... All right, you have your own one there. And, and so like people want to learn more about IPA. Good luck. Good luck finding that thing. Maybe there's a it's buying guide. 8%. <laughs> now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's take of the week comes from Jonas Sickler. And Jonas writes, SEO is about building a culture of creating high quality, relevant, valuable content for your audience. 
and making sure they discover that content over and over to build and strengthen the customer relationship, period. PPC is about buying transactions, period. Hashtag SEO, hashtag content marketing. Hashtag shots fired. I know. We try to bring the spice here. This is a spicy one. I would also say, whenever people make these very general statements, you're assuming that like one thing is good and the other thing is bad, you know? And then it's also like, all right, if you work at a company that sells SEO, you know, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail kind of thing. So in this case, like this is a bad example of PPC, right? <laughs> like you're not bringing people in with a good content offer. Like that's still content marketing. If you're having an ad for a content download, that's marketing. It's just advertising. It's one of the P's of marketing, promotion. It's still content marketing. And then you get them in a funnel, you get them a nurture flow, and you keep giving them good content, and you turn them, get them into, you know, into a customer. It's not like it's one thing or the other. And it's not like you do if you, if you run a paid campaign, you'll never see these folks again. It's 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 a it, I understand the point of view, but I I, I hate absolutes and this is this is a very one-sided look in my mm -hmm. opinion. And Jonas puts out a lot of great content, a lot of thought leadership on SEO specifically. And, you know, I, I get his viewpoint, but I also don't think that you need to trash things. And I, I'll go on to say, if that's all you're doing and you're buying transactions, that's wrong. That's wrong. You should, you might be getting a new customer that didn't know about you that you couldn't rank for before because it was something very broad, like a baseball bat. And there's a buying guide that's taking up all the space. And the only thing above it's ads. And it kind of hurts Jonas. <laughs> Now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. I See Why Am I, people. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. I See Why Am I, people, from Ryan Jones at Ryan Jones SEO. This one's for you, Jonas. This is a thread and it's titled SEO is Hard. I think a lot, if not all, of us who work in SEO understand this, but what can make it harder? is when you're down month over month or year over year compared to where you were. You feel like a failure, but I'm here to tell you that is not the case. Let me explain in this thread. So the first point he makes is that people may be searching less, and that's kind of the whole thesis of this. Um, he says, this is the case for us as an SEO who works in e-commerce, organic growth and revenue growth matters. When you're down in traffic and revenue, just have a look at Keyword Planner. You might find people are just searching less, and that's okay. So from there, I won't read the whole thread, but he talks about how you can take advantage of this time with a traffic decline, focusing on content. So if people are searching for products less, they may be looking for more top of funnel content, or you can ramp up testing. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to sit idle during this time and just be sad about how you're not doing great. He also talks about other metrics that you can use to measure success besides traffic. So this is an awesome thread and you should check it out. Now it's time for this week's pew pew lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, PPC Greg noticed when he was adding keywords to a custom segment that Google was adding them to a review process. You know what, PPC Greg, I'm speaking directly to you. I don't appreciate being Rickrolled just scrolling Twitter at work, okay? <laughs> He added the lyrics to never going to give you up to the the custom segment search terms. I know. Tricky, that one. I didn't see that. <laughs> you know there's a Zoom and a Google document, right? I'm zoomed in. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm at 100%. That's normal. You should go to maybe 600%. <laughs> and then go to the eye doctor. Yeah. Amazon. <laughs> a lot of news this week, okay? Glenn Gabe's workout is only 50 minutes. We gotta go. Amazon reported that it made more than $31 billion in advertising last year. In the past, they kept the size of their business under wraps, so this is big news. This number proves that Amazon is one of the fastest growing advertising businesses in the world, which of course we knew. Um, so according to this, it now makes more money than Microsoft, Snapchat, and Twitter combined on advertising annually. Why Whoa. do people throw Twitter in these numbers? They're not making <laughs> it's money. Like, fix your, just fix it. <laughs> From Michelle Garrett at PR is us, 
quote, content cost soared last year. B2B video content cost more than $8,448, while blogs cost the least at $1,959. The average cost of a B2B content asset is $2,791. So I didn't realize that I only had to write one blog post to pay for my Smile Direct Club, but that's like a pretty good price, I think. So thanks wow. for sharing, Michelle. Smile Direct. Expensive. Oh my gosh. They say it's half the cost of braces though. Oh. Sponsor me. <laughs> I th- those numbers seem right also. It seems it seems like a very reasonable number for something good. Yeah. There a lot goes into I was gonna say video content, but a lot goes into a blog too to do it right. And she was quoting Sword and Squirt there. That's where the original source of the article was. Should have said that right away. But thanks for sharing, Michelle. Next up, Mark Williams Cook shared a fun screenshot that he found in the SERPs. It says, has anyone ever seen bullet points in ads before? This is kind of wild. Let me know what you guys think. Its descriptions are bulleted under the headlines. And it's showing three descriptions. It's kind of crazy. And then Ginny confirmed and said that this is a test showing descriptions with bullets. I don't think that those are three descriptions, to be fair. You I think don't? The, I think the bottom one is converted call-outs. Yeah, because it definitely repeats. George wrote an article on it at Search Engine Land, and I think that's that's the case we're talking okay. about. Okay. That would make sense. Ginny only says descriptions in this reply, though, but I'm sure George is right. Oh. And from Barry Schwartz for Search Engine Land, Microsoft Bing now has new car and automobile search features to let you find your next car, the company announced on its blog this week. You can search for used cars on Bing, and then Bing will provide a search box that you can filter to and find the car that you're looking for. So this looks pretty cool in the search results, and they have some good deals here. There is a 2021 Kia K5 that costs about 3.25 white paper, so that's nice to see. Okay, we're going to have a new segment here called Ask David Herman Anything About TikTok. So Jackson Cunningham asked him, basically, um... How are you gauging TikTok success, assuming minimal first session conversions? And David Herman replied and said he uses a software called Northbeam to track success. Then he confirms that data via no commerce's post-purchase surveys. And he also says in another tweet, I look at MER, Cash Snapshot, and ROAS, accrual snapshot per channel this way. One day click, is traffic or creative okay? Seven day click. Are these ads scaling or rebuilding? 14-day click, new creative needs. 30-day click, is the channel scalable versus others? It's amazing. He like writes full articles in these tweets. Yeah, and if you want to know more about Murr, Julie Bacini had a great PPC chat where they covered it, and Anu also had a r- recap of that. So head over to community.marketingclock.com. We'll have a link for those there. Yeah. And I have more Murr talk coming. <laughs> From Dr. Analytics Ninja, PhD, at Analytics Ninja. This is a scary one. Do you need the doctor and the PhD? And the ninja. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bing adds UET script. UET script has automatically began injecting Microsoft Clarity session recording software on sites that have the tracking pixel. Not a great choice for Microsoft to make that the default tag behavior. And then um, David Herman replied and said... But that, wait, this isn't our David Herman. IRL meme, the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Oh, my God. Wow, yeah. It's at David Her underscore man. With two ends. Two ends. <laughs> and it's spelled, Herman's spelled differently. David Herman, Herman Digital has two M's. <laughs> and two R's, I think. Is this Galaxy okay. Brain? There's no two what? M's. There's two R's. There's two doubles, I know. There's like, no D. Like Greg Finn, yes. G-R-E-G-G-F-I-N-N. Correct. He says, so annoying. It started at beginning of January. Fortunately, you can quickly turn it off with a checkbox in Bing Ads Manager. So I found it. You have to go into your UET tag settings and it's a checkbox. Mine was unchecked, luckily, but I guess they are turning people's on automatically. Well, Clarity is pretty cool, to be fair. It is cool. Check it out before you disable it. But just like, don't do anything automatically. I was about to say, have you heard? I know. The platforms are doing, Shep. Microsoft is like even crazier than Google about auto-apply recommendations. agree so if you want to turn this off you just go to your uet tag settings and there's a checkbox there where you can enable it or not enable it do whatever you want there's two david hermans and here's the other one (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a Hermanoff. I gave it Hermanoff. <laughs> my mind is blown. Name. Okay, so he says the extent of Facebook's changes, they made the budget number blue bolder and added a slider on CBO. Thanks. What <laughs> is this? It looks, it's tacky. It's blue and lime green in big, bold numbers. Fix your ad platform. What are you doing? <laughs> I like all, this. All we wanted was <laughs> just well, throwing you out. Like it because you can see <laughs> yeah. it because it's freaking huge. You can't see anything else. <laughs> really made me mad <laughs> fix your ad platform from jason portnoy at jason portnoy on twitter Ooh, this is like a nice take of the week here agency fees are not an ad cost they are an opex cost or an operating expense it should not be put into your mer there it is again the same way your in-house graphic designer or marketing person doesn't get factored into it agencies are and should be viewed as employees and you should take Christine Zernheld out to lunch with your team. I also, you know, really probably hates Mer Jonas Sickler. Why? Because it doesn't, it, it only looks at how much you spent and how much you got back. It, it doesn't account for anything else it, it, at all. Yeah, he wants to murder it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I never got. Like, what if you get everything organically? You're going to have like infinite Mer. Sounds it's like a candle scent. What about frankincense? That's a good point. And from the Ad Analysis blog, this is an article called RSA Optimization Series Part Run Part One: RSAs versus ETAs, and it just says it's by Brad, which gave me a little bit. I was triggered a little bit because last night I sent a really cute picture of my baby in my family group chat. My brother responded and said, "R.I.P. Brad." I was like, "What are you talking about?" So then now I'm googling like, "Did Brad Pitt die?" He's talking about some Wizards player who broke his wrist. Brad Beal. Yeah. What does that have to do with your daughter? I, that's why I was so confused. It was a direct <laughs> response to the picture. <laughs> I don't think this is the same, Brad. So this talks about how the performance data in your accounts might change with the transition from RSAs to ETAs. And then it also talks about strategies on how to best create and manage RSAs. And they're promising more optimization articles in the future as we all navigate through the phase out of ETAs together in the scary, scary months ahead. So thank you, Ad Analysis. The new Google Ads 360 has launched with support for performance max and discovery campaigns, a refreshed UI and more support for other search engines. So it now supports 10 additional Microsoft advertising features, support for Yahoo Japan and more fun things. So check that out if that affects you. Yelp has a new feature for advertisers called keyword boosting, I was just immediately turned off. Like, Boost has such a negative connotation from, like, boosted posts. It makes everything sound, like, not technical. And, like, anyone can do it and mess it up. They're also rolling out custom location targeting, which enables business owners to designate specific locations for their ads to appear rather than just a radius. I'm scared about the people who were using Yelp ads before that rolled out, but happy that they have it now. <laughs> This is a tweet from Len, ever heard of him? No last name needed, at Len Raleigh on Twitter. Has anyone seen someone's LSA Google ads get attacked before? This is terrifying. He says, the client enabled the LSA. The attacker entered the number into Angie's list with requests for plumbing, electricians, roofing, stuff like that. And then the client's phone blew up with electricians calling them for quotes. Wow. I just wow. feel like that person like hates the client. Like, is it just like the other competitor or like, something? What are you getting? What from are this? you gaining from that? This actually happened to me and my wife, like literally last week. Really? Yeah. We needed a plumber and um, she went onto Angie's list or some analog, whatever it is. And literally she had to block like so many phone numbers. So it sounds like it's an Angie's list problem. Well, yeah, they're, they're like arbitraging it against their competitors, is what they're doing. Yeah. Costing them all those calls. It's awful. Anyway, be careful if you're running LSAs. Next up, we have a tweet from Patrick Cadu at Sounds Like Canoe on Twitter. He says, we ghosted our TikTok, Facebook, and Google reps over the past few months while we worked out some supply chain issues. He says, it's hard to advertise products when you don't have any. Condolences, Patrick and your canoe. Here's the difference between the replies from Google and TikTok when we reached out. Okay, so TikTok said, 
Hi team, hope you had a great weekend. I wanted to follow up and see how your new product launches are coming. And if you'd like to help us support in the new product launches on TikTok, great rest of the email. Signed, Best Frankie. Google. <laughs> it starts with this. No can do, unfortunately, Trace. I sent you five or six emails over the course of November and December that went completely unanswered. I tried my best to begin forming a partnership and help out, but because we didn't connect, Google isn't providing an account manager for supply for the time being. Wish the timing lined up better. Best of luck from Sean. That is so rude. It's so rude. You could at least be like, I'm so sorry. I wish I could help you. My hands are tied. Like, just be a nice person. Like, he's the client. That's just... Yeah. yeah. And update because I get alerts when Ginny tweets. She responded five minutes ago and said, Patrick, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We're incredibly sorry this happened. This response is not in line with how we expect our team to support our valuable customers. We're taking this feedback very seriously and are working directly with the individual and their management to ensure we're reinforcing the value of our customer relationships. We'll be in touch with you directly. Thank you. However, be a nice person. <clears throat> this is their relationship uncovered. If you have money, if you are spending money, you get better service, you get better support, you get reps. If you don't, you get nothing and you like it. No can do. I know, that's just so rude though. Do you think that's it's a play so on, rude. on Kadu? <laughs> no, Kadu. This person's not that clever. And from Dario Zanoni in our Discord community, he says, Google Ads has a new function. Use the global site tag to automatically collect user-provided data from the website. This seems to provide the same final result of enhanced conversions, but automatically. Also, the data will be used to give more insights, but I wonder what, I wonder about that. I wonder too, Dario. So if you want more tips from mm -hmm. Dario. And a PDF of everything too. Yes, it's awesome. Join us in Discord, community.marketingoclock.com. And another story from Discord, Luke Chapman shared a study from what Google and BCG called Consumers Want Privacy, Marketers Can Deliver. And this was a really interesting study. It's basically a consumer survey about how people feel about different offers and discounts and what information they're willing to share with advertisers, all that kind of stuff. And then they outline a three-step action plan that companies can adopt to take a holistic privacy first approach to marketing. We have all kinds of great stuff in Discord, so definitely check it out. And finally, we have an update from LinkedIn targeting for sponsored messaging. Quote, a recent ruling by the European Court of Justice restricts the display of native inbox ads to individuals based on the European Union. As a result of the new legal interpretation, LinkedIn discontinued e-location targeting on all sponsored messaging campaigns effective January 10th, 2022. All right, and first up, Google's adding journeys to Chrome where you can search your history by topic. And so what is journeys? Danny Goodwin goes on to write that it is obviously a desktop feature that groups pages from your search history by topic or intent, providing a more helpful user experience than just showing a chronological list of pages. So there's two ways it work. Essentially, you can type in a topic like music into your search bar and then click on resume your research and you continue with that historical data. Or you can go to history and show full history, and then you can type in a topic. So for example, if my query was music, I will then see a list based on activity related to music that's pulled from the history. Um, and in this case, I might see something like a site playlist at marketing o'clock and searches like, does anybody actually like that Bruno song? Or what the heck is the prom soundtrack from the Netflix show? Or is it even actually possible to work while I'm listening to the main title of The Prince's Diary? <laughs> I could answer all those questions for you. <laughs> well, I'm going to go on a journey to get those answers. <laughs> um, so it will take into account how many times you interacted with the website when it shows your results. And you can see related searches beneath the grouped search history. So if you were really into like a certain search vibe you had, you can now go back and relive that journey. But you can never unhear those songs. <laughs> Bruno was okay. I'll, I'll defend Shep here. It's an excellent song. It's a good song in a movie. You take the context of the movie out of it. It makes no sense. It's awful. It was a jazzy bop. It though. came out. I was trying to listen to our, our playlist at Marketing Clock. That song came out and I, 
It's not working. It doesn't matter. If you have seen the movie, you can still enjoy it in your car alone. It's not possible. I'm sorry. This is the organic section. Okay. All right. And next up from <laughs> Near Media on Twitter, at Near Media Co., there's a tweet saying, the FTC in reviews. The FTC wants to make reviews for e-commerce and local more transparent and honest. To get everybody's attention, they find a poster child for very selective review publication on their e-commerce site, 4.2 million. That's very minimal. It's not fake reviews. It's selective reviews. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say most folks out there don't let all reviews go unfiltered. They might censor things. They might block Many people block bad reviews. Like it's your own site and you don't want that out there. So it's weird to like kind of know who is doing that and not and who isn't. So, um, but a $4.2 million fine is, you know, that, that that's going to get some eyeballs. And they say, what you need to do now is three things. Ask everyone for reviews, no gating. Treat all reviews the same. Don't delay moderation of negative reviews. Publish all reviews, no negative review suppression. And this is a huge deal for e-commerce. So you may want to consider no reviews or all reviews. I think that's where you're going to mm -hmm. be going with this. And there's a whole bunch more in the thread. Go check them out at Near Media Co. on Twitter. All right. And in the most misspelled domain in history news, Bing News PubHub <laughs> moves to Bing Webmaster Tools. And if you recall, Bing News PubHub launched in 2016 and was in its own location, but is now being migrated into Bing Webmaster Tools. So you no longer have to go to pubhub.bing.com, but it will still redirect you if you do type in pubhub.bing.com. All right, and next up, Google shows more product-rich results for pages without structured data. And there's a great example of, I, I think it was consumerreports.org, and it was the best wireless speakers for $100 or less, which is funny, funny for this one, because the... It looks like rich data that's pulled in where it says approximately $80 to $119, which is like, <laughs> that's not under $100, uh, hashtag math. Um, and everybody probably thinks, I'm going to hate this and freak out about this, but I like it. If Google can scan your site and pull items out, a lot of times structured data is hard, right? As long as you have an option to like turn something off, that I mean, that'd be nice. Um, putting that through, if you are a small company or SMBs, which Google apparently loves, you know this is something that could actually help that. So I dig it. All right, and from Christina in our Discord community.marketingaclock.com, she was the one that shared that awesome Shopify future of e-commerce PDF that was 164 pages or so. Um, she also shares that it's now going to be a webinar as well. So next week there's a webinar about the future of e-commerce. And you can listen to people talk about it and get the insights if you don't feel like reading. Even though it's cool, well-designed, the 160 pages or so PDF. All right, and from Ed Leak, he, well, I guess it's really from Austin Reef, uh, one of the brew people. Um, Austin said, the YouTube Q4 revenue is $8.6 Netflix Q4 revenue, $7.7 YouTube content budget, approximately zero. Netflix content budget, $14 billion. And there's a whole bunch more. I'm not, not going not gonna to cover it all, but obviously there's payouts that doesn't factor in here. Like YouTube's paying people out. Netflix isn't necessarily, they've got the content. It, there's $14 billion content budget and there's no content budget in YouTube, but they're actually paying you know creators. So it's not totally apples to apples, but it's pretty crazy that there's more revenue from YouTube and I still am not, I'm going to die on this hill that that 8.6 billion, 8.5 of that billion is not shorts. It's people creating good content, good episodes, awesome stuff. But yet they just try to kill it. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then it's like, why isn't there another company out there that's doing any type of long form content? You would think that somebody like Meta might be like, you know what? We're going to make a new site, a new social network that's all long-form content. It's series. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be able to tie in Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. And every time you publish something, you're going to go into this pre-built audience that you already have. It's going to be fantastic. It's long-form, 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 like YouTube, $8.6 Hopefully, they'll do that someday. Hopefully. All right. Anyway, from Matt Navarra and the thepressgazette.co.uk, 
he writes why BBC News plus other publish other news publishers have ramped up investment in live blogs format. The BBC told Press Gazette the interest in the Downing Street press conferences, which is the Boris Johnson thing, and that everything going on currently in society, I'm not going to say it, um, had helped make their live pages become appointment viewing with its live pages collectively seeing more than 1 billion visits during the pandemic. Yeah, it's like they're, they're making a Twitter, they're on Twitter. It's smart. And people just want things faster. They don't want it better anymore. You know, you just want it now. Nobody wants it good. Like, I don't, whatever. All right. And from Christina on Discord, she hadn't seen the search console insights uh, live in the SERPs. She said, it's the first time I've seen it in the wild and I like it. It's funny to me that they put it beneath the ads in the search results, though, which oh, I never thought funny. of. So, like, you see your uh, all of your search console data right in the SERPs. You have to see an ad first. And Christina <laughs> goes on to say, heaven forbid, SEOs don't get advertised to when they're analyzing their performance, which, great point. She's like, and you're not going to click on that ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. And one of those sites to go and grab a domain name before somebody does and starts posting under your name, rumble.com. It's a new video site that's uncensored. So if you are looking for brand protection, rumble.com, go secure that today. Um, I'm not a big NFT person, even though I somehow accidentally own NFTs. At uh, Rack on Twitter says, okay, so you hate NFTs. Cool, let's talk about it. I'm not going to convince you, but at least I can offer the perspective of an artist who has been involved in the space since 2017 before any of you heard about it. And I thought this was a very well-reasoned argument. I still think every NFT that people are talking about today is moronic. The fact that you're buying a lion, smoking a cigarette, holding a skateboard and a bored ape yacht club person that's high. That and sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I think that's stupid. But what Rack says is a lot of people seem to miss that the entire point of NFTs is to make content free while making ownership scarce. Nobody's forcing you to pay for an NFT. You can still enjoy it for free alongside anybody else. If you like my music, you can have it for free. Scarce ownership empowers artists to make way more income without stupid ad-based models. It eliminates the exploitive models of Shop Spotify, Apple, Amazon, mm -hmm. et cetera. And it goes on to make a lot more good points. And I think this, the ownership aspect is where NFTs can stick around. You buy something and you want to you know, show that it is actually, you do have ownership. It is real. It is legit. You did pay for it. It's not stolen. You have this you know, NFT that can't actually be altered without you know, hacking or whatever. And you can transfer it to somebody else. So I don't know. There's some marketing in there. But if you're interested in NFTs, check it out. Or if you're not interested in NFTs, check it out because it was interesting to me. All right. And from Barry Schwartz, he says, I see why am I cease and desist. You should <laughs> only update date of a piece of content when you write something new or significantly change something existing, said John Mueller of Google. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. you don't, don't just change the date of something and change the title from 21 to 20, 2021 to 2022. All right. And keeping it at Barry here. Barry writes, Google does not use mum in search for ranking or for much of anything outside of COVID vaccines and a related videos feature. That's funny. It's like people don't know how to spell any of the names, especially the actual legit names of these things. Like, so they're like, all right, we gotta, we gotta break mum out for this <laughs> one. All right. And for the hardcore SEO nerds out there, it's patent time with Bill Swalski over on Search Engine Journal. He found a new patent from Google dated December 28th, 2021 that focuses on how to interpret queries and solve them based on entity information. And last but not least from Christina, who just has all the news this week, Amazon Fire TV is being put into cars. Let me just see. It just came through. So what? Amazon is putting built-in Fire TV in cars. Wonder how long until advertisers can target customers based on the make and model they are watching on. So I think it's mm. for people in the back, but huh, you know, you might be like, hey, it's new tires, pretty cool. So sort of organic, sort of not, but it's over to you, Jess. What's happening in social? All right, first up in social this week from Matt Navarra. That's at Matt Navarra on Twitter. I'm only gonna say it once. I'm gonna say his name a lot. <laughs> New on at LinkedIn, your followers can now subscribe to your content by tapping the bell on your profile. They will get notified whenever you post something new. Try it out on my profile. And then he links over Ooh, to his profile, which is very sneaky. sneaky. But good on you. Everyone should go give him a bell because a shameless self-promotion. But honestly, if you are listening to me talk and you care about social, he's a worthy subscriber. Mm -hmm. That's what I do for Ginny on Twitter and Adrian Wojnarowski. 
That's how you get all the news. It's a smart thing to do. Who's Adrian? NBA Insider. Current location, St. Bonaventure, New York. Oh. Oh, that's Woj Bomb. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Next up from Luke Chapman in our Discord community. It's community.marketingclock.com. He says, woohoo! The competitor report in LinkedIn finally allows exporting. Now I don't have to copy and paste it from the browser every month. Not sure if everyone else had this before or if it's new, but it is new to me and very welcome, essentially. I paraphrase the end there. Sadly, still no export for the all followers report to see all the profiles. And he's still copying and pasting that one. So if anyone has a hack, please share it in our community. And I, the copy-paste fingers sound worse than Shep, your Kindle hand. Yeah, I still have Kindle fatigue. Really hard. All right, next up from Matt Southern at Search Engine Journal. Facebook shifts focus to short-form video after a stock plunge. Oh, great. Short-form video. Unbelievable. Everybody. They clearly don't listen to the show. Of course, they'd be listening to this episode to hear your rant on that. I just, they're already kind of focusing on short-form video. They're just doing it poorly because they're copying everybody else. It's, That's it, why your stock's dropping. It is un, It is unreal. If you, ah! if you think about it, though, like Real. Twitter bought Vine, like a TikTok, and killed it. Facebook set up Facebook Watch and IGTV and killed it. All because they're so fixated on TikTok while YouTube is out there trying to kill their own product. Like, what world is this? Listen, Facebook, Meta, Meta, whatever, they killed MySpace back in the day and became a giant. They can do anything. They just need to stop trying to copy people. They're not listening. Up next, Discord is testing some new things. Forum-like channels for a more organized conversation and the ability to surface older but still relevant content. Seems cool. They also have what's being, or are testing what's being described as a homepage-style feature that offers a TLDR-style snapshot timely content, slightly different than the forum. And some new automated tools to help moderators. This is a big news week, so if you're interested in that, definitely grab the link on Discord. The yeah. article talks all about those moderation just fix features. the threads, please. Thank you. Seems like they're working on, I don't know. It's a test, and we're not going to get it, I don't think. Just make it like Slack. That's all we want. Fair. Thread it like Slack. Easy. All right, up next from TechCrunch by way of Matt Navarra. He says, TikTok is testing R-rated filters, but don't get too excited because the rest of the tweet says to protect younger users. So not as exciting as it sounds, but we should be excited because when a platform is looking at ways to address things like the appropriateness of content for different age groups or other issues apparently that they're also addressing, like hateful and potentially harmful content, that's never a bad thing. Just when you say an R-rated filter, I assume it's complete opposite intent. <laughs> Sticking with the theme of platform improvement, Instagram is working to improve its systems for screen readers. The accessibility team says it's worked to improve two core elements in its process. That's post labeling and UI element grouping. Their goal essentially is to enable more users to experience the app in the same way. So they're making the changes visually that will also impact how screen readers see things. So love to see it. We were talking about platforms improving. <laughs> Twitter is expanding its testing of the downvote feature. So if you didn't see it before and you do now, it's still just a test, but a wider one. Love it. Do you? Yes. I was looking at this video. This guy was telling me this great inspirational story about how to grow a pineapple with what you get from the store. And I looked and there was like 50, up, 50 upvotes on YouTube. And I'm like, I don't know if this is good or bad. And so I, instead of buying a pineapple, I didn't buy a pineapple because I couldn't see if there were dislikes. And if you can say, let's up, put up positive and make it like Reddit, where you can sort and see the most liked tweets or responses to a tweet, I love it. That's so helpful. You can, that, that again, you can sort and see what is helpful. So I dig it. All right. Well, you're an Android user, right? Yes. So this test includes Android users, not all of them, but maybe you'll get it, use it, show them you like it. But Code you know, like crazy. <laughs> Speaking of long form content, you want it on Twitter? No, I don't. I want it short on Twitter. Okay, you might get it, though. No. From Jane Manchin Wong, they are working on a Twitter articles feature, the ability to create one within Twitter. Looks like it's a possibility for long-form content. There's really not a lot of details. Social Media Today reached out to Twitter for a comment on this. Their response was very generic. Essentially, we're always looking for ways to improve and engage conversations. Post it on your own website. And I was going to save that rant for if this ever happened, but you're not wrong. Like, what are you going to use this for to write a blog post? Get a blog. Uh, also, 
quick uh, moment of silence for the uh, spindle emoji and threads. Thank you. <laughs> Sticking with Twitter from at superfollows. See their tweets when they tweet them. Now subscribers on iOS can turn on notifs for exclusive tweets from the people they super follow. IRL so. meme, Steve Buscemi, hey kids, <laughs> meme. you just out there tweeting notifs. Get out of here. I know, I almost felt the need to explain that that's short for notifications. But this, like, okay, super follows generate revenue for Twitter, theoretically, right? Like 3% of the subscription fee. But this is still only available on iOS, but you're testing downvotes with Android users. Like they never do anything for Android users. And that's the thing, Greg, I know you think downvotes are important, but this is dumb. This is a paid feature. They should open this up before they worry about that. Get a better ad platform. Okay. I dig it. I pay for Woj bombs and Ginny bombs. <laughs> do you actually? No, I would if I could. No, oh. but you can't so you won't. Can't and won't. <laughs> All right, remember earlier when I said we should subscribe to Matt Navarra? This is not from LinkedIn, but listen to this tweet. New Instagram growth hack, posting static images as ultra short video posts. Instagram's algorithm is favoring video content. Static image memes posted as one to two second long videos are gaining a huge boost. That's genius. It's genius. So smart he is. Use it for your PMAX. <laughs> Right? That's Actually, yeah. You Repurpose make those assets. A YouTube video yeah. and it's just a static image of what you want it to be. It's just a banner ad. I mean, it's not gonna be great for YouTube, but at least you won't have auto-generated stuff. You heard it here first, folks. Take this and apply it to the PMAX talk at the beginning. Love it. Growth hacks all around. All right. Speaking of growth hacks, if your mat your business has a mascot or <laughs> Any sort of personality that could be turned into a mascot? We need a mascot. Well, yeah, a little clocky. The clockskirt, yeah. Clocky. Anyway, could be the next big thing on TikTok. There is a Marketing Brew article on this. Mixed reviews on how it works for folks and some different theories as to why, but definitely something to test if there is like a, a fun face of your brand. Play with that. Lastly, here in social this week, some what year is it news? This is from Queenie Wong at CNET. Reddit is rolling out new live audio features, including highlighting live audio chats at the top of home feeds, the ability to listen to recordings of Reddit talks, the ability to participate in live audio chats when accessed via the web, and the ability to use text and emojis during live audio chats. I just thought the audio thing was dead, but I guess if you're doing it, way to improve. Thanks, Reddit. All right, now on to our segment segment. And this month, we are talking about testing performance max. We just gave a hot tip. Only do this if you either have a feed for shopping and you're not going to cannibalize your shopping campaigns or if you got a video asset. Or thirdly now, if you can fake a video asset like <laughs> we heard from Jess's part there. All right, and let's play another little game here in the segment segment. Good news, bad news. Shep, what do you want? Bad news. All right. The bad news is Peloton fired 2,800 employees. Hmm. Sorry. Why? Um, the, nobody wants a Peloton. They want to go outside. The world's back. Okay, so oh. what's the good news? The good news is they gave each and every one of them a free year of a Peloton membership. That's like $4 million. Do so they actually, even have good. the bike? <laughs> I mean, they didn't give a bike. I'd imagine you have a bike if you work at Peloton. I don't know. I would not. If mm -mm. I would throw that thing out the yeah, window. Yeah, I like, wouldn't want it. Like, thanks for nothing. But there's also a really good look at just how some of these, from a marketing angle, uh, items that were very popular in 2020 and 2021 are starting to come back to Earth. Peloton is one of those. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I was looking for where you can turn Microsoft Clarity on or off in Microsoft Advertising, and I learned that in the account settings, if you scroll right past the auto apply recommendations, there are business attributes, a lot like there are for Google My Business. So there's some for accessibility, community responsibilities. You can say if you're minority owned, a nonprofit, a small business, there's environmental 
attributes and inclusion attributes. So I thought these were awesome and I didn't know about them. So it might be helpful to some people. What about well, you, Greg? And for me, I was redoing some of my labels in Gmail and I saw something where you can get a personal level indicator in Gmail. So you can say no indicator or you can say show the indicators. And if you do, you will see a single arrow for messages sent to my address, not a mailing list, and a double arrow for messages that are sent only to me. So the example hmm. is a lot of times people will send something right to me and other members on the team aren't included on it. So I can see quickly if something was only to me, I have to open it, I have to triage it fast. There's nobody else that's on this email. So it's kind of a cool little indicator and you can see it up on YouTube over on youtube.marketingclock.com. That is really awesome. And so is Screaming Frog. We've talked about it a bunch on the show and there's a million things that you can do with it. We used it today. We were trying to find content on our site that is not in English, looking for different languages. So we found out that you can crawl your site and use the spelling and grammar check feature, A, for spelling and grammar checking, which is wild, but look at that mm -hmm. yourself because it, it thought that one of our brand names was a typo but because it's not a word, but that was fine. So that's just cool to know that that's there. But then it pulls in, and I don't think this is something you can see anywhere else. Maybe you can do a custom extraction for language tags, but in the spelling and grammar check report, it actually pulls up the language tag, according or the language according to the tag on your page, which was amazing because we had a German page in the German language with an English language tag in the code, which we never would have found if we didn't do this. So it was actually really cool, kind of a workaround way to go about things and didn't solve the problem we had, but helped us find another one. For the record, this was not a site we built. It's no, a site that no, this came was to not. Us. Yeah, this was a marketing client. Yeah, but we're trying to help them solve problems. And this is one way we do it. I scream, you scream, we all scream. We're screaming frog. <laughs> And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is from Antoine Aeroprit, at Antoine Aeroprit on Twitter. It doesn't appear to have a proper name, but who cares? It does something we've all unfortunately wished for at some point or another. It downloads old URLs from archive.org. You heard me right. The application uses archive.org's API to get saved page URLs for a specific domain from the Wayback Machine. You just enter the domain name and a date range, and you're on your way. There's also the option to exclude different file extensions or include versus ignore URLs with parameters. It's handy for all sorts of situations. Definitely one you'll want bookmarked if you ever inherit a site post-migration and have issues to fix. Um, definitely not going to solve all your problems, but a handy tool to have. We'll have the link to it in our newsletter as well as on Discord, so pick your poison. Check it out. And now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from the one and only Lily Ray over on amsivdigital.com. She has an article called How Google's E-Commerce Landscape is Evolving. Plus, predictions for 2022. And she took this article from her January 20th YoastCon presentation and talks about the rising threat of Amazon, the impact of the thing that's going on and causing many people to die that will not be named. <laughs> bill Reddy, Google's new president of commerce. That's his name. It's not like a bill. His name is literally William Reddy. Um, the impact on SEO, Google's product review updates, and a bunch of predictions. It's really great if you're in e-commerce and really invested in Google. Thank you, Lily. Okay, Jess, what are you adding to our playlist this week? Playlist.marketingclock.com. I'm going with Aisha from Death in Vegas. And this song is a lot. It's like the person just talks about being a murderer the whole time, but it's a very Jess Bunt song. And it's a very catchy beat. That sounds terrifying. Okay. Well, you guys know I have the wizarding world on the brain, so I will be adding Hedwig's theme from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone original movie score by John Williams, who turned 90 years young on Tuesday. Greg, what's your song? Hang on, I gotta finish up this email letting Eddie know of that pick. Okay, and I've got Eminence Front by The Who, bad vocals, but a banger. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. 
If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. And today we have a new game, but it's kind of like every game we play. It's called Unpopular Opinions, and we're going to share our unpopular opinions. Greg has ensured me that his are fire. They're very unpopular. What's the game part? (laughs) We all hate each other, right? (laughs) Perfect. Can't wait to win. Okay, Greg, what is your unpopular opinion? My unpopular opinion is that a soulmate isn't real. Everybody's like, oh, I found my soulmate. It's my high school sweetheart. We met in high school and I found my soulmate. It's like, dude, you're in the same city you grew up in, let alone like like Orleans County or Oklahoma. (laughs) Sorry, folks. You know, you're sitting with a high school sweetheart here. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. But she didn't have to be like, I found my soul. You haven't even been to the entire country of China. How do you know? <laughs> like, how are you saying that there's one match for your soul and you grew up conveniently next okay, to Okay, so you think mm. there is not one true match? Soulmate OTP makes it sound not... like it's a one of one. And okay. Like, you found mm. your like one destiny. of one. Like destiny. Right. I would the... agree with that. I think we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. But I mean, it's a few days before Valentine's <laughs> Day and you're just really mm. bringing the mood down here. <laughs> that is true. Also, what is a soul? <laughs> Who has one? <laughs> Not us. <laughs> that wow, that unpop- wasn't that unpopular. Well, Not I mean, here. nobody here celebrates Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, what's your unpopular opinion? I enjoy daylight savings time in both directions. I feel like it's a fun disruption. Oh, oh my, my God. God. This is a worse <laughs> unpopular opinion than the one that you like the captures. And you think of it as a game you play. Well, I just like, it's now it's dark, which is nice because then on your ride home, you can scream in the car and no one can see you. So that's nice. But then what? when you, in the fall, no, that's the fall, right? So that's the other direction. But then in the spring, everything's light again and it's just like a nice change, but. They're, There's they're more car accidents because of it. It's terrible for every reason. I love driving it's in the It's cold. It's dark. It's miserable. I just like the fact that you don't have a preference. You just like that that day. It's like a little yeah. holiday to you. It's like a birthday and a half birthday. Yeah. You get it twice a year and exactly. you just look forward to it. Yeah. Spring ahead. There's actually nothing good about it because you lose an hour. But like, <laughs> hit me. Come on. As a like, mother <laughs> of a recent newborn <laughs> who's now three you still think Two. that? Well, he's closer to three. He, he? sleeps no. on my schedule. Kid goes to bed at 10. So I have no concept of time. <laughs> that is very unpopular. <laughs> okay. My unpopular opinion is basically every opinion I have. But I would like to talk today about, I think there's a lot of complaints. And even I growing up about people like going into the fridge and eating your leftovers. Like I grew up with four siblings and everyone was always fighting over food and it was terrible. But I have what I think is a worse situation now because my husband, some would call him a soulmate, never (laughs) will take the last bite of food. So there will be like a cookie on a plate where I ate the second last one. I left it for him. He'll walk by it like 20 times and it's just sitting there staring at me until I eat it. And I hate that. You're a known member of the CPC, right? Clean Clean Plate plate Club? Club. Yes. So how can he do that to you? I don't know. If both of us were him, no food would ever be finished in the house. Like, it's relentless. <laughs> it's exhausting, and I really hate it. Do you guys have that in your house? I don't have that problem. But no, I'm kind of so with well. you. Like, just eat the food. Yeah, like, we go out to dinner with his family, and I am the last to eat everything. I also, I want everything finished. I tried to get you to eat that one last truffle upstairs earlier today, and you wouldn't do it. Oh, I'll eat it tomorrow. That's I was just yeah. saving it, and I'll be mad if someone else does. Mm. Okay, well, you know, contact us on Twitter or Discord. Let us know what you think of our unpopular opinions, and we'll see you next week.